Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. With that said today, uh, I am going to be talking with you about something that God has been putting on my heart over the last uh, several weeks as I have prepared to talk with you today. And it's about the habits of a godly life. Okay, I think it's important for all of us to develop godly habits because believe it or not, you have a lot of habits in your life, whether you want to or not. We all develop habits. It's kind of human nature. But before I get going as far as talking about what are some godly, godly habits that you can develop in your life, I think I want to make something really, really clear, which is there's a fine line between um, developing things that are godly in your life and following those and trusting in Christ, because this is one of the things that Christians over the centuries have gotten wrong time and time again. They become more works-based because the Bible is full of things that say, you should do this and you shouldn't do this, and these are some good ways to live. And we can get over to the extreme over here where we say, you know, it's all about what I'm doing. I am trying to be a good enough person for God. And that is not what this is about. In fact, Jesus came to kind of break that. I love that when he was asked, what are the greatest commandments? Does anybody know them? What were the greatest commandments? To love who? God. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And in fact, Jesus, I think the next thing he says, almost as amazing as what those are themselves, he said, in these two, sum up all the laws and the prophets. That's amazing. You're talking about all these different things that Scripture had at that point uh, that said you're supposed to do like all these things, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of things that the, the Jews were supposed to follow and do. And so it was a radical thing for him to say all of that is summed up in love God first, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And it all centers around love. And you see, one of the great things that separates Christianity from every other religion out there is that in all the other religions, it's your tr- people are trying to be good enough to get to heaven. And the fact is, the Bible talks about none of us can be good enough. No matter how hard we try, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. And it's because we can never be worthy of a perfect God. No matter how good we are, we have sin in our life. And that's what's amazing about Christianity and about what Jesus did. Jesus came to earth to forgive us of our sins and pay that price so that we no longer have to have that sin. We can be wiped clean of that sin. And that's the only way that we can live with God forever in eternity, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus did and our acceptance of that. So I want to start with that, because no matter what habits we talk about and no matter how much we try to follow these, it's, it's never good enough to be like Christ. What, what's good enough is God's payment for us. Um, and Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's about putting God first in your life. So that's where everything starts. With that said, if you've made that decision to follow God and put him as Lord of your life, then out of loving God and loving others, these habits should be developed in your life. And it's good to pay attention to some things, some practical steps you can take 
to live more like Christ and to follow him. So that's what we're going to talk about more today. So as we talk about habits of a godly life, I think it's really important to define what is a godly life, because we could have a few definitions of that. So I kind of came up with a definition. I think it's based in scripture, and I, I really like this definition. So um, what is a godly life? A godly life is a life that no longer seeks satisfaction through a sinful lifestyle, but surrenders to God and his will. All right? So before we knew God, we all have sinful lifestyles. That's what we're seeking our own will first, right? So this is about giving that up, surrendering it to God and saying, God, I want your will first in my life. That's what Romans 10.9 just said. It's about putting God as the Lord of your life. Now, this is not saying you will never sin or make a mistake again. No, no. It's no longer seeking satisfaction through a sinful lifestyle. That's very different because it doesn't mean you're not going to make a mistake, but that is not your goal. That is not your focus. Your focus is on pursuing God and his will as Lord of your life. All right, so I'm going to talk about the main passage of scripture here that I'd like to discuss and um, you know, I found some great resources when I was studying about uh, habits of a godly life. I found some sermons that I, that I kind of used some illustrations from and stuff like that. But I think Psalm 1 is an awesome psalm for describing the godly man or woman um, and kind of some of their life and what they do. So hopefully it'll be up on the screen here, but I'm going to just, I've memorized it in the past, and so I'm just going to kind of quote it, and we'll go from there. If it doesn't line up perfectly, sorry. But uh, for those of you watching online, hopefully you'll be able to see it too. So Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, which bears fruit in its season whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff which is blown away by the wind. For the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So I think this psalm is a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be a godly person. He starts out by saying some things they don't do, they don't walk in the way of the wicked. That means they don't act like the wicked. They don't stand in the way of sinners. It means they don't act like a sinner, and they don't sit in the seat of mockers. They aren't somebody that is trying to mock other people. So it starts out saying they don't do these things, but then what do they do? They delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law they meditate day and night. And then the tree picture, I think that's a beautiful picture. The Bible talks about us um, spiritually like a tree, planted by the river of living water, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, getting nutrients from good soil and good water, and bearing fruit, growing strong. And I just think it's a, overall, it's a really beautiful picture of what the Christian life looks like. And there's a lot to dive in here. And I've got I've to say, I'm going to talk about a number of habits today. And frankly, each one of these habits deserves at least a sermon, if not a sermon series. So this is going to be like a real quick uh, dusting of some of these habits, a quick overview. But I want you to think as we go through here, because my challenge for you today, and I'm going to talk about it at the end, but my challenge for you is to take one of these habits of a godly life to focus on this next week and say, you know what? I want to really do better with this habit. I'm saying this up front so that as I go through them, you can think about them. I'll hit a quick review at the end. But the first habit 
I'm going to talk about is faith. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, one, I'm going to read verse 1 and verse 6 here. So verse 1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And verse 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So faith is about trust, trusting in God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 also talks about trust. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Well, I don't know about you, but I have learned in my life that trusting in God is far better than trusting in myself. I've made some pretty big mistakes and some pretty big turns in the wrong direction, and God, time and time again, has kind of led me back. My, my life verse is actually Proverbs 16, 9, which says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And boy, have I found that true in my life. <laughs> There's been a lot of times I'm like, I'm going this direction, and I see uh, this, is, this is my plan, X, Y, and Z, and then God says, nope, you're going this way. And I find that sometimes it's really hard when that happens, but the more I learn to trust him, and the more I follow him, the better it works out because God's plan is always better than my plan. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you this, a little challenge for you with, with faith. What do you worry about? Is there something in your life that you worry about? If you say, no, I, I don't feel like I worry about anything, then hopefully you're putting your trust in God. But if there's something in your life, I think all of us from time to time have something that, that is a worry for us. And I just challenge you, whatever you're worrying about is something that you need to give to God because following him means trusting him to meet your needs. And this comes through faith. And so it's not an easy thing. I'm not just saying that all your worries will be gone if you just say, I'm going to trust in God. But it's a process through relationship. And we're going to talk about developing that relationship too because you can't just jump to fully trusting God until you build that relationship. So the next habit we're going to talk about is prayer. Now, this one... Prayer is a big one, and I'm sure you're going to hear some sermons all about prayer um, in the future, because prayer is a huge topic that there's no way we're going to uh, fit everything into in just a few minutes. But I want to first start out with what most people in America think prayer is. So I think mo all of you have kind of experienced what most people think prayer is. It's when you get together as a family, maybe it's Thanksgiving meal, and you all get together, and you say, okay, God, let, let's pray to God. And you, Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful food that you've, that you've uh, provided for us. Thank you for our family. Um, we just, we love you, we're thankful for you, and we just uh, ask that you'll bless us, and that uh, we, we just are thankful for all you've done, in Jesus' name, amen. And then you go about your life. And you prayed, right? And I just want to say, that prayer by itself, I'm not saying it's a bad prayer. It's not wrong. But it's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to praying. Because let me ask you this. What is more important when it comes to communication with God? What you say to God or what God says to you? Which one's more important? Let me say that again. What's more important? What you say to God or what God says to you? I certainly think it's what God says to me. And what a lot of people miss with prayer 
is that prayer is communication with God. It's not about giving God a wish list of things we want or thanking him for what he has done. Those are important parts of prayer, but they are not the most important part of prayer. What's more important is what God says to you. And the Bible talks about this. And honestly, this is not an easy thing to do because to hear from God, you have to take the time to listen to God. Jesus himself gave a great example of how to seek out God. Numerous times in Scripture, you see Jesus retreats to the wilderness or gets away from the busyness of life. And he was a busy person. Everybody wanted to talk to Jesus. And he would get away repeatedly and seek God. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And I guarantee you, when Jesus prayed, it wasn't just him talking to God. It was a communication back and forth um, between him and God. And and actually, this goes on to say that they didn't know where he was, and they went out looking for him. But he was listening and communicating with God. Now, you can't live a godly, uh, godly life without prayer because that's communication. And you can't be tapped into what God is trying to say to you without praying. So you might be asking, how do I hear from God? Because this is a challenge. And I'll say, if you're a young Christian and you've never done this before, you may genuinely not really know how to hear from God. And so I just want to hit on this real briefly. And the Bible talks about this, and it gives a promise here. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's a really cool promise because it's saying that you will find God when you search for God with all your heart. The Bible also says, be still and know that I am God. I think it's important to take the time to listen to him. And you may be saying, okay, that's great. Seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. Well, how do I know if I've searched for God and I haven't heard from him yet, how do I know I've searched for him for Him with all my heart? Well, you all inherently know what it looks like to want something with all your heart. And I can tell you why. Let me, let me give you this example. Think back to your first big crush. All right? Think back to your first big crush. Imagine you get up the courage and you go to your first crush and you lay your heart bare. You tell them everything you feel and say, man, this is how I feel about you. I think you're great and all this stuff. And then you stop and you hear what they have to say. What if they responded to you and they said, eh, you're all right? How would that make you feel? Oh my gosh, you'd be devastated, right? And imagine God loves us so much. He wants us. And if we come to him and be like, eh, God, you're all right. I guess I'll take five minutes to hear what you had to say. Man, that is not seeking God with all your heart. And I think it's a great example because we all know what it's like to feel, feel that, to feel a love for somebody as a crush kind of thing. And I think that shows what is it like to love God with all your heart because if that person responds to you like, eh, you know, they don't, they don't love you with all their heart, not even close, right? And God wants so much more from us. So I encourage you as you look at this, seeking God with all your heart, you need to be all in and you need to pursue him to the point where you're like, God, I crave to hear from you. And that is not an easy thing. It takes time. It takes spending time in the Word and praying and listening to God. 
The next habit I'm going to talk about is to meditate, meditation. Now, this is not some yoga, Eastern religion kind of thing I'm talking about here. This is a scriptural thing. Um, remember Psalm 1. I'm going to come, come back to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does these things and meditates on God's word day and night so that he can be careful to do everything written in it. Now, when you go throughout your day, where is God in your thought life? Everybody has things they think about during the day. Maybe it's you can't wait to get home and you're thinking about dinner. Maybe you're thinking about uh, fantasy football or watching a game. Or maybe you're thinking about your wife or your husband, your significant other, and you can't wait to get home and be done. Maybe you're thinking about the weekend and where you're going to go on, on, uh, you know, for the weekend. And just maybe you're thinking about sleep. You're just exhausted. You know, we all think about things during the day, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the godly man or woman thinks about God during the day. They think about, not just God, but they think about what God has said through Scripture. They meditate on God's Word day and night. And that leads to being careful to do everything written in it, which is obeying God. And so I want to encourage you that if you are going throughout your day and you're not leaving room for God in your thought life, that is a habit that you should be developing. And Look at where it starts. It doesn't start with just saying, okay, I'm going to think about God. No, it starts with Scripture. You have to learn Scripture. You have to spend time in Scripture. If you don't know any verses by memory, I encourage you to pick something in Scripture so that you can be thinking about it throughout your day. Psalm 1 is a great place to start. It's a, it's a wonderful passage about living the godly life, but meditating on God's Word, it should be one of the habits that you develop in your life. And um, I found that there's times in my life I do better with this than others, but it's really cool when you can start thinking about God's Word. One habit that um, has been suggested through a class that I've done some is keeping a piece of Scripture on a note card in your pocket so that you can, every time you go get your wallet out or maybe it's up in your purse or something like that, that it's a reminder of that piece of Scripture, and that can help you learn it and meditate on God's Word. So that's an awesome habit to develop as well. The next habit I'm going to talk about is giving. Giving is kind of a hard one to talk about sometimes because, you know, a lot of pastors don't like to talk about giving because it kind of seems like a selfish thing. But Jesus talked about giving, and giving is an important part of the Christian walk. Um, Luke 6, 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I want to stop here for just a second, because... Do you want God to give generously to you with your life? And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm just talking about in general with your life. I know that in my life, I've developed enough of a relationship to God, with God to know that I want him to pour out his blessings upon me. That is not a selfish thing. I want that so that I can be a blessing to others. I want to have a prosperous life. I want to have a life full of the Holy Spirit. And Scripture is saying that you can't get that unless you are generous first. 
Because it says if you reap sparingly, you will, I mean, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you reap generously, uh, sow generously, you will reap generously. And that's a really important concept. Um, And frankly, if you don't give generously and you don't give back to God in the way that you probably should, what are you actually saying? I think you're saying that I can handle this myself. I don't need God's help. Now, that might sound a little harsh, but think about it for a minute. The Bible says, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And so what you're saying is, I can do better with my resources than God will bless me with. That's a big one. God promises to bless you if you are generous. And so I want you to think about that in your own life. And I'm not trying to um, lay guilt on anybody because the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. This is something that needs to come from your heart and your relationship with God. But I challenge you here that if you have trouble, if you struggle with giving generously, take a look at what the Bible says about giving and pray about it and spend time with the Lord and say, God, help me to have a generous heart. Help me to want to give. And, you know, the Bible promises blessing from that. And I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed if you give out of generosity and give abundantly to God. He will bless you more than you can... You know, the Bible says that he will bless you more than, uh, than, than you would expect with that, basically. Um, so giving is a really important part of the Christian life. And let me tell you a, a faith story that is kind of part of my growing up experience about giving. And I think it's just really cool because um, I grew up in a church called Tabernacle Church of Norfolk. I grew up in the Hampton Roads area. And um, Tabernacle Church had a wonderful faith tradition. The, the founder of that church, uh, Pastor John Dunlap, and his associate pastor, Gene Garrick, um, were very godly men, and they sought the Lord, and they were very generous as well. And so they started this church, and God put a vision on John Dunlap's heart. And there's this story where John Dunlap and Gene Garrick were walking by this marsh in Norfolk. And John Dunlap said, Gene, what do you see here? And Gene's like, uh, I see a bunch of mud and marsh. <laughs> you know, that's why I see. And John said, I see Norfolk Christian schools. And God had put that on his heart. And this was in 1952 that the school was founded. And at that point, there was hardly any Christian schools in the whole state. So this was not something that like, everybody was doing. This was a pretty new thing. And John felt called by the Lord to start this school. And so he, he got the church behind him. They decided, we're going to do this. And they started construction of it and everything. And a payment came due that was not provided for. And John showed up to church without his car, and people started asking around. It turns out John Dunlap had sold the tires on his car. And the next week, he still didn't have his car, and people were talking, and they were asking around, and it turned out John had sold his car to make the next payment. And it became really clear to the leadership of the church that the next step was John was about to mortgage his house because he believed this is something God had called them to. And let me tell you, it took some great sacrifice from John Dunlap, but the church eventually got it. They said, you know what? If the pastor can do this, let me pray about it. And then God just just helped people realize this is something that 
God wants to do. And they followed him, and they, they started giving generously. And Norfolk Christian Schools became, uh, it got built, and it became successful. And I personally was blessed by it because I got to go there as a kid. So I went to the church, I got to go to the school, and then they didn't finish there. Then God called them to start Triple R Ranch, and they built this Christian camp where I got to be a camp counselor. And I experienced the Holy Spirit in a powerful way there, and I saw many, many kids get saved through Triple R Ranch. And the cool thing is I've never met John Dunlap or Gene Garrick, but they impacted my life generations later in a powerful, powerful way because they understood the power of giving and they understood pursuing God even when there's sacrifice. And so I just think that's a cool thing and I see victory as a place that God is called to big things. And, you know, I think God will use our church to bless generations to come as well. And so, you know, that's something I pray that that does happen um, because of your generosity and your following of the Holy Spirit and following God's plan and call to you. So, um, so anyway, that's another habit of a godly person is to, is to give and give generously and to pursue God in that. The last one I'm going to hit today, and this is by no means a comprehensive list, so I don't want you to think that, um, but the last one I want to talk about today is to forgive others. And if you have somebody in your life who you know that you hold something against, you haven't fully forgiven them, maybe this is the one God is calling you to focus on this next week. Um, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And, you know, his, the disciples actually asked Jesus, How many times should I forgive? Seven times? And, um, and Jesus said, you know, Jesus said, No, you should forgive. I think it was, what, is it uh, 70 times seven? And he wasn't actually trying to say an exact number. What Jesus was saying is, you should keep forgiving. You should never stop forgiving one another. And, um, you know, I think about the, the love passage, 1 Corinthians 13.1. One of the things it says is, love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, you know, this is not a human thing because we tend to remember people who wronged us. I mean, somebody did something wrong to me, like, it's hard to just let it go sometimes. But if we truly forgive somebody, it's as if it never really happened. And I think about, like, with my wife, you know, like, there are times that we each do something that might bother the other person. But I really appreciate the fact that we love each other so that we can kind of let those things go. And, you know, it doesn't mean I'm perfect with that, you know, sometimes I might find myself bringing up something that's been something that bo- has bothered me over time, but then I come to realize, hey, I'm not loving her the way I should by doing that. I need to let that go, forgive, and, uh, and move on. So, you know, love keeps no record of wrong. So if you're truly following that second command to love your neighbor as yourself, then, you know, that's part of, for- forgiving is part of that and how we love. So I just want to encourage you that if you're holding something in your heart today, against somebody else. You know, pray about that, because I think God wants you to forgive that person. So I'm going to wrap up just with that challenge today to pick one of these habits that you can work on this week. I don't want you to do it out of just an obligation, but I want you to do it because of a relationship with God. And, you know, God calls us 
to pursue him. And these are ways we can develop habits and pursue him in our life. So I'll, hit, I'll, I'll summarize those habits again really quick. So we have faith, we have prayer, we have meditation leading to obeying, we have giving, and we have forgiving. So I'm just going to wrap up with a quick prayer here, and I'm going to remind you that if you have not entered into a relationship with God, that Romans 10.9 verse is a great place to start. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so if you haven't done that yet, that's the place to start. And whether you're online today or in person, if you want to do that, you can do that today just by praying to God to be Lord of your life and asking him to forgive you of your sins. And so I encourage you to do that. And if you do that, please come talk to me after or get in touch with myself or Pastor Mike. We'd love to hear from you and help you walk through the next steps. But I'm going to pray about, um, about these habits, and I just encourage you to pick one to work on this week. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to be in a relationship with you and that we get to, uh, to hear from you, that we can pray and know that we can encounter you. And we just ask that you will help us to live a little bit more like you, help us to develop these godly habits in our life. And we just ask that we will go forward from here seeking you and remembering to be in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.com.